Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Right now, we bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Good to be with you again on this Wednesday night. Text someone, call someone, tell them it's time for the word. I know you almost forgot, and I'm so glad you reminded me. All right, then. Bless your hearts. Open your Bibles or get your electronic device and turn with me to Hebrews chapter number four. Hebrews chapter four. And we're going to read verses 14, 15, and 16. You're going to be blessed as you typically, as we typically are. All right. Hebrews 4, 14, 15, and 16. Let's read it together. Ready, begin. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Last verse. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for this privilege to share your thoughts, your heart, your will, your word, and your promises with your people. I ask that you anoint each and every one of us as we share together under our great high priest. Save, heal, deliver. Do the things that only you can do as our great high priest, and we will be careful to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house and the presence of God. This is going to be our last teaching on Jesus Christ, the healer. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Man, this is going to be so good. Jesus, our great high priest. Okay. The way, the way we receive what we need from God is first by knowing what God has provided through Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Say that again. The way we receive from God is we first need to know, that includes understanding, what God provides for us through our great high priest. Now, how we approach something, hear this, hear this well. How we approach something is based on the knowledge we have about it. How we approach anything in life is based on our knowledge of it. For example, for example, if you never, by virtue of whatever, if you have never seen a tiger, you might approach a tiger like you would a person, which would be a mistake. But when you have knowledge of tigers, you know how to approach tigers or how not to approach a tiger. It's the same way in the kingdom. We must know the God we serve. We must know his son and we must know the spirit so that we know how to approach God, to get from God the things that we need from God. Uh, sad to say, sad to say, there are scores of church-going people all over the world that have, they have a fictitious and religious concept of God. In, in, in the minds of some people, God is just an idea. He's not a person or not a spirit. He is not God. He is a concept. He's an idea. People like the idea of church. This is one of the reasons why it's hard to get people to come back to church because their idea of church has been crushed and ruined. But when you have the right concept of God, it goes beyond how you feel about church and you go to church because God demands that we worship him in spirit and in truth. How we approach something is based on our knowledge of that thing. If we don't or if we lack knowledge of it, we don't know how to properly approach it. Dare I say, unfortunately, 
Too many believers don't know how to approach God. Therefore, they don't know how to get from God what it is God is willing and ready to provide. Today, today, someone say today. Thank you. Today, we don't just approach Jesus as the Lamb of God. Today, there are many that still approach Jesus simply and solely as the Lamb of God. But as, again, we grow in knowledge and grace, we don't just approach Jesus as the Lamb of God. We learn to approach him as our great high priest. Woo! We have to learn to approach Jesus, the Messiah, as our great high priest. As the Lamb of God, he comes to take away the sins of the world. He's a suffering, abused, neglected Savior. But he's not that anymore. Say, somebody say, no more. He is not that anymore. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. I don't know why I feel like preaching and tuning up here lately. This thing is good in my soul. We no longer should just see Jesus as the Lamb of God. He is our great high priest. It's crucial that we gain this understanding because when we approach him as just the Lamb of God, it's all about sin. And God, I'm just a sinner. And God, I'm sorry I did it again. And, and we need to repent uh, for sure, but you need to also recognize there's grace to help, hallelujah, in the time of need. And if there ever was a time we needed a great high priest, we need a great high priest now. We need to be able to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain the mercy and find the grace to help in the time of need because I know, I believe, I see, and I even myself need some help today I didn't need before the pandemic. There's some things, let me calm down. There's some things we all need today we didn't need two and a half years ago. We need a great high priest. <sighs> so the Bible tells us our high priest is great. <laughs> we don't just have a regular, ordinary, run-of-the-mill priest. We have a great high priest. Yes, we have a great high priest. If you're taking notes, write this down. A high priest, a high priest by definition, is a priest king. He is a priest king. King. He is the ruler of a religious state. When you and I got born again, when we got uh, uh, renewed in our spirit and brought out of darkness and carried into the kingdom of light, we now live in a, 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 a religious state. Now, now I, I, it's not a religious state in terms of religiosity in our mentality, it's understanding that the kingdom we live in is a kingdom that is based on our relationship with God. So our high priest is not only just a priest, he is a king. Mm -hmm. He also rules not, see, 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 let me just back up and say it like this. Uh, and there's so much more being, being argued now because of Roe v. Wade and all these things the separation of church and state. That's, that's one of the biggest problems man ever created that they thought was a good idea a few hundred years ago. See, see, in the kingdom, there is no separation of church and state. The church is the state. And this is what confuses a lot of believers even in this country, particularly in this country, because people think there's a separation. But when you and I went into and were brought into the kingdom of God, there is no separation. Jesus is priest and he is king. There is no separation. You can't do what you want on one day and then do something else on another day and then be and then be a Christian and be quote unquote religious on the next day. That's not the kingdom. Ah. Jesus, write this down. Jesus governs the church and the state, not man. 
When we get saved, when we are born again, when we are brought into the kingdom of God, Jesus governs our lives. This, this, is, this is new to people today. This, this, these kind of statements are new to this generation. I grew up hearing this. I grew up, I knew this. I was taught this growing up. Jesus is my king. He governs the church, not the pastors, not the board, not the denominational leaders. No, Jesus did. That's been the problem. Jesus governs the church, not man. So priests represent God to the people and the people before God. This is what priests do. Priests represent God to the people and the people to God. They're mediators. They're intermediates. They're go-betweens. The word priest in Hebrew is the word kohen, C-O-H-E-N. It's kohen, and it means one who stands up for another. Jesus, our high priest, is the one that stands up for us. My God in heaven. You need to know Jesus is standing up for you. You're a healer. That's why healing is coming, because Jesus is standing up. I was wounded 2,000 years ago for them. Healing is theirs. I'm not going to let sickness stay on you, because I was bruised for you to be healed. Jesus is standing up for you and I. He's standing in the gap for your healing, for your deliverance, for your salvation, because he is our great high priest. There's no way I'm going to let sickness dominate. There's no way I'm going to let depression or mental illness dominate me when Jesus is standing up for me. He's standing up for me in my weakness. He's standing up for you in your weakness. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Cohen, one who stands up for another, one who mediates they settle and resolve issues. They, they, they resolve conflicts. This is what Jesus is doing right now. This is why it also says in Hebrews that our great high priest, is a, he's always interceding for us. Jesus is standing next to the Father, interceding for you and me. As our great high priest, he is solving unresolved issues in your body healing is yours it's mine it's out he's solving unresolved issues in our mind that's why peace is yours Jesus is resolving issues that are bothering you he's resolving legal issues he's resolving court issues he res he's resolving family issues he's resolving uh, employment issues he is our advocate he is our high priest he is the one who stands up for you and for me he ever liveth to make intercession for us he ever lives he doesn't stop saying you deserve it hear what I'm saying church when the devil says you don't deserve it Jesus says no you deserve it he stands up for you and I and said no by my stripes they deserve healing because I went to hell they don't deserve to go Tell somebody, I'm not going to experience hell on earth either. I'm going to have no hell on earth on the way to heaven. Jesus is trying to resolve our issues. Mm -mm -mm. Jesus, as our great high priest, is standing up for his church. Mm. God set the priesthood up. Because he didn't want unresolved issues between him and us. <laughs> Write that down. God set up the priesthood. God set Jesus in place as our great high priest to resolve issues between us and him and him and us. There should be no issues between us and God as long as we understand that Jesus is our great high priest who ever lives 
to make intercession, to stand in the gap, to stand up on our behalf. Whatever it is you're believing God for, Jesus is in agreement with you right now in heaven saying, Father, bless them with that. Father, grace them with that. He's standing up. He is for you. I want somebody to know, somebody to understand that God is for you and Jesus makes sure all of heaven is on your side. Somebody say healing is mine. Somebody say deliverance is mine. Why? Because my great high priest is going to make sure I get it. Jesus is standing up for you and I. Jesus isn't just sitting up there chilling. <laughs> Jesus is not sitting in heaven on the throne with his legs crossed. He's our great high priest. He is healing us by his grace and his mercy. He is constantly releasing grace and mercy to the church. First Timothy 2, 5. For there is one mediator. There is one mediator. There that word is priest, go-between, Cohen. There is one Cohen between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. I'm, let me read it right. Let me read it right. First Timothy 2, 5. For there is one mediator, Cohen, between God and men. It's the man. <laughs> Jesus Christ There's only one great high priest. If you're praying to somebody other than Jesus, you might as well stop. There's only one man that's a mediator between God and all men. <laughs> it's the man, Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest. See, God chose Aaron and his family, the Levitical priest, to be priests. And as the family grew and as Israel grew, obviously there were more and more priests needed. So there came a time, and, and, and no one really knows, but there came a time when the nation of Israel was so large that they had thousands of priests, thousands, walking around in each city. You, 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 you couldn't walk around and not bump into a priest. In, in other words, everywhere they went, they knew there was somebody on their side. Today, you, you, you get on the train, you don't know who on your side. Today, you're driving down the expressway, you don't know who's on your side. Today, you're at the grocery store and you got to keep your cart away from somebody because you don't know if bumping them will set them off. But, but just imagine walking around in Israel uh, during the time of the kingdom and there were priests everywhere you look. You knew God was with you. You knew God was on your side. You knew somebody could get a prayer through. Man, we need to get back to that day. We need to get back to that time where we can recognize godly men and women everywhere we go, no matter what breaks out, somebody's praying. Somebody can get a prayer through. Somebody can get Jesus to activate his grace and his mercy. Instead, we're living in these crazy days where now people don't even know if they want to go to a parade. Children don't even want to go to school because they don't know who's on their side. And truth be told, many of you feel the same way. You don't, you go to church and you, you know, you're good. You're a good person. You're a Christian. But too often you don't really know if anybody's on your side. You don't often feel safe. This is why these type of teachings are, are crucial. You, you need to know that Jesus is not just the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He certainly is, but he's your great high priest. See, in the Christian world, we're not familiar, particularly in the, in the Protestant, Pentecostal, so-called evangelical world, we're not that familiar with priests. It's the Catholics that are really more in tune with priests. So we tend to neglect priesthood. We ignore the term altogether, but it's a biblical term. There's no one group of people that's got the monopoly on priesthood. <laughs> Glory to God. Exodus 19, 6. And ye shall be unto me. This is what Moses, or God has Moses tell Israel. You shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Now they're still in the Exodus. 
And God tells them before they get to the promised land, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. Isn't that something? They, they, they hadn't too long been slaves. When God tells them, oh, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. I want you to get this out your mind right now. You're not a slave. You're going to be a kingdom of priests. The whole kingdom is going to be priestly. Why would God say that? Why did he say it? Because Israel as a nation was supposed to teach the rest of the world who God is. That was the mandate. If you ask any Orthodox Jew that will have a conversation with you, they will have to admit to you that God chose them to reveal his will to the rest of the world. That's why God said here in Exodus 19:6, you shall be unto me, God says, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto your children. Everybody that comes up in Israel is supposed to know we're going to be a kingdom of priests. God's going to use us to touch the rest of man, humanity. God chose us to reveal himself to us so we could show the rest of the world who he is. That's the purpose. Well, isn't that pretty much the same purpose today? Hmm. Okay, let's keep talking. Let's keep teaching. Again, it was God's idea to make his chosen people a kingdom of priests who would touch the rest of the world with the knowledge and glory of God. Newsflash, it's still on us today to do the same thing. But we today, you know, because of this pandemic, you know, we just want to be saved and secure in our own environment. You know, you better get Jesus the way I, oh, online, because I ain't going to get out and touch you and talk to you. See, this is why healing, you, 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 we have to walk in divine health and healing so God can use us to touch the rest of the world. If you stay fearful and stay locked up in your own little world and just say, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come get me, you and I are not fulfilling this commandment. Numbers 14, 21, God says, as truly as I live, the whole earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Well, how's that supposed to happen if we don't share him with the world? How's it going to happen if you stay in your apartment? The function, again, of the priests is to spread the glory of God throughout the whole earth, reconciling man back to God and, of course, man back to man. We need some reconciliation today. We need folk reconciled back to the church. We need saints reconciled back to each other. We need families reconciled back to one another. The function of the high priest revealed the works of God among the people. The function of the high priest was to reveal God's working among his people. The high priest acted for the people in all things pertaining to the sanctuary. He offered the sin offering on behalf of the people. He could prophesy the will of God. The high priest would reveal the will of God to the people. He alone would enter the most holy place. He alone had that access to God. Hebrews 12, excuse me, Hebrews 2, 17 reads, Therefore, or wherefore, in all things it behooved him <laughs> to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. He had to be made human. Jesus had to have human flesh. He had to put on humanity so he could experience what we experience, so that he could be more merciful and faithful as a high priest pertaining to the things of God, that he might reconcile all of us or reconcile the sins of the people. See, the reason Jesus is so great, not to mention he's God, but what makes him extra special and extra great as our high priest is he became human so he knew what it was like to be human. You need to remember and never let yourself forget that Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be you. 
Look at someone and shake your head. Say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because see, the devil loves to make us feel like don't nobody know what I'm. We even got them old songs. Nobody knows the trouble. That's a lie. No, I know that's an old song, y'all. Some of y'all young folks don't know that. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Listen, God knows. Jesus experienced every single thing any human being can experience. Jesus experienced it. We have a great high priest. He ain't playing like he knows what we're going through. He knows what we go through. Jesus ain't hyping you up. Jesus knows your pain. Jesus is not pretending to be your guy. He is the great high priest. He's not your guy, but he knows how you feel. Because Jesus became a man. Jesus became human. Jesus didn't stay in heaven. He could have, but he didn't. Jesus knows every single thing you and I could ever think, feel, go through or experience, Jesus knows. That's another reason why you can't run game on Jesus. I thought I'd just throw that out there. You can't run game on Jesus. He already knows how you feel. See, this understanding of Jesus helps you and I realize he is in touch with me. Man, we got people today that just feel like religion is out of touch. You don't read the scriptures. There's no way Christianity, there's no way Christ can be out of touch with you. It's amazing, people. Well, you know, you know society you know, moves on, people advance. You know, the Bible is out of touch. Those are people that haven't read the Bible. Those are people that don't have revelation from the Bible. Those are people that speculate or they're just plain liars because we have a great high priest. And he is no way ever going to be out of touch with anything we go through. Selah. Hebrews 4, 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We have a high priest, again, that's been touched, that's experienced, that also sympathizes. Did you know that? Jesus sympathizes with us when we get sick. Man, I feel you. I feel for you. That's why by his stripes. When you have a problem, I mean, here we have this crazy economy. People need money. Do you know Jesus understands? Jesus is saying, God bless them. Give them bonuses, God bless them. He knows how you feel when you go to the grocery store and like, well, we're not going to get that this week. Really, Jesus knows how that feels. He can be touched with that. Don't act like he can't. Don't listen. Go to Jesus with every concern you have. Because Jesus is concerned about every concern we have. Who told you don't talk to Jesus about that? Who told you don't bother him with that? He's already been touched with it and he already sympathizes with it. So you might as well come boldly to the throne of grace. Jesus, even if it's something is that you may even consider even sleeplessness. Jesus, I just want to sleep. I just want to get a good solid six hours. I, I, I wish I could get eight, but just six would be good. Straight hours. Go to him about that. God, this job is breaking my back. I don't have time for my children. I need another job. He's concerned about that. Don't ever settle for it. Well, well you know, the kind of, I, I, I just think I just need to stay here. Go to him. Go to him. If the doctors say, if you had a third opinion and they said there's nothing we can do, go back to Jesus and say, it's nothing they can do, but you can do everything. 
You, you, you can do everything. I'm, I'm coming to you because you're my great high priest. You stand up for me. I need you to stand up for me right now. Does anybody need Jesus to stand up for them right this very minute? Why don't you put your Bible or your electronic device down and stand on your feet, even if you're at home, and begin to give God the praise and say, thank you, Jesus, for standing up. I need you to stand up for me right now in the face of danger, in the face of the enemy in the face of the court system, in the face of whomever it is, in the face of every enemy and every foe. I need you to stand up for me right now, Jesus, because I have nobody else and you are my great high priest. When you don't have the answers, come boldly to the throne of grace. Jesus, you have every answer you are the answer to every problem he is our great high priest let me finish this be seated let me finish this let me finish this see jesus <laughs> changed the priesthood forever let's say that together ready jesus changed the priesthood forever jesus changed the priesthood forever see jesus raised up another order of priests from his family just like Aaron did. Back in Moses' day when the priesthood was established, God told Moses that the priesthood would come from Aaron's family. Well, Jesus changed the priesthood. <laughs> this is so good. Hebrews 7:12. for the priesthood being changed there was made a necessity, a change also of the law. Mm, 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 mm. So we got the ceremonial law, the moral law, and the, uh, there's three of them, the ceremonial, oh God, the ceremonial law, the moral law, and uh, I forget the third one right now. So, so, so what we need to understand is that the moral law has never changed. And this is where a lot of New Testament Christians get it twisted. When they say we're not under the law, we are under the more man shall not kill the Ten Commandments. We're still under that. That's moral law. You, what do you mean? We're not under the law. So you just kill people. That's why people doing it. And, and, and what it's the ceremonial law. We don't have to. How many of you brought a goat to church tonight to sacrifice or a, a lamb? I don't bam, 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 I don't hear anything bleeding. Any, you don't you don't that that see Jesus did away with that ceremony. You don't need to bring lambs and goats. That's the part of the law that's been done away with. Now, the law that's been changed is the law of priesthood, the one that's able to mediate for you, the one that's able to stand in the gap for you and I. That's changed. We don't, we don't, we, we, we have a great high priest that does that. That's why those of us in the Protestant faith don't have a priest that stands before God for us. Jesus changed the priesthood forever. God was changing the Levitical law concerning sacrifices because what? Jesus was become both priest and sacrifice. That's why you don't need to bring a goat. Jesus was the goat. He was the lamb. Well, he wasn't the goat. He was the lamb. He was the lamb. He is the lamb of God. You don't bring a lamb. Jesus was the lamb. You don't need a priest. Jesus is the high priest. So the whole thing has been shifted. You don't need a lamb because Jesus was the lamb. You don't need a priest because Jesus is the high priest. So now the law has been changed. Everything's been changed now. <laughs> Hebrews 7, 24. But this man, speaking of Jesus, because he continues forever, he has an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus has an unchangeable priesthood. Here the Hebrew writer is comparing Jesus, the Messiah, with Melchizedek, who's a priest forever. Jesus is a priest forever, like Melchizedek. He is unchanging. Jesus cannot die. He doesn't need to do anything else. Everything was finished. When he was on the cross, before he died, he said, it is finished. Nothing else needs to be done for the priesthood. He has finished and fulfilled everything, and therefore he is a priest forever. That means there's never going to be a time where Jesus cannot and will not stand up for you and I. 
This is why we don't put all of our confidence in man. I don't care how anointed your, pra- your pastor, your bishop, your apostle is, he ain't forever. <laughs> Amen. Let me just say that. I know it's sensitive. Some people just lost their pastor and he may have been their father or uncle, and I, I'm sensitive to that. I am. But please understand, the only priest who's going to be a priest forever is the great high priest, Jesus. Get to know him. Don't lose the victory because your favorite pastor just left. And now you don't know what you're going to do. I don't get into that. Jesus is our great high priest. Forever. He has no end. His ministry has no end. The ministry of Jesus (laughs) has no end. That also means, my brothers and sisters, that we have no successful enemies. All our enemies are temporary. Sickness is temporary. Disease is temporary. Sin and the penalty of sin, all that's done away with. Messiah ever lives to make intercession for us. Again, Hebrews 7.25. He always has been and ever will be our great high priest. He always has been and ever will be our great high priest. All who become a part of his family also become priests after his order. Uh Uh-oh. Shifted a little bit, turned the corner here. Let me say that again. All who become a part of the family of God become a priest after the order of our high priest. I was going to get into all the detail of the different courses of the Hebrew priests and all that. I said, ah, y'all, that's too much. You don't want to know about that. You don't care about that. If you do, you can study it yourself. But what I do have to tell you is now that we are born again, born into the kingdom, washed in his blood, we are now priests after his order. What does that mean? You and I have become authorized and anointed to do the same things Jesus does. Write that down. Yeah. Yeah. This is why we need to understand Jesus as our high priest because we are now priests. This is also what makes, hmm, how do I want to say this? This is what makes the body of Christ and those that understand the priesthood of the believer unique. Because other religions and even some denominations do not emphasize the priesthood of the believer. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. First uh, Peter two five. Ye also, that's all of us, as lively stones or living stones. That's every believer. We are built up a spiritual house. Follow me now. Stay with me. We, as a part of the body of Christ, we are being built into a spiritual house. He goes on to say, and holy priesthood. Uh Uh-oh. We are being built into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. We are being built up to be priests. We come to church to be taught the word so that we can be effective priests. Priests. All of us are priests. Even though all of us aren't apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers, you are still a priest. That means you are to stand in the gap for somebody to get to know God or to get to know God better. That's what all of us are called to do. You should be always ministering to two, three, four, or a group of people, leading them closer to God and reconciling them to other people. 
and I knew it would be quiet just like that. It's amazing, particularly in the Pentecostal persuasion, how folks would rather be a, a, a prophet and you ain't even a priest yet. You want to get up with a microphone and say, the Lord would say unto thee, you ain't even reconciling folk in your family. You're not even reconciling folk on your job. You're not even telling people on your job about Jesus. You're not being a priest, but you want to be apostle. See, this is why we're all messed up. Because we need to be taught the priesthood of every believer. We that are born again in the family of God are now priests after the same order as Jesus. Jesus is a reconciler. Jesus stands up for who? People that can't stand up for themselves. Why are you so quiet when you see sin happening in public? You got to be a priest. Just look at somebody, look at them, because I know you can't say that right now. Just look at them, just look at them. See, we are authorized and anointed to stand up for people. <clears throat> Again, ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house. Say spiritual house. A holy priesthood. Say holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We should be constantly offering up spiritual sacrifices, prayer, praise, worship, and thanksgiving unto God on behalf of people that don't know him yet. So the church is both the house and family of God. The church is both the house, which is the structure. The church is to help structure society. The church is to help you structure your family. This is what the church is to model for every member of it. We are to model, model the structure of the church. There's a head and there's a body. Every family, every Every person that claims to be a Christian ought to be modeling their home after the structure of the church. So if the church structure is wrong, then home structures will be wrong. Ooh, this is getting in sensitive territory here. That's why the head of the household is the man. Because the high priest is a man. Ain't no, high, ain't no high priestess. That's a cult. It's a coven. Those are witches. Y'all better love me anyway. So if you call yourself a man and you're married and you call yourself a husband, you got children by the one you call yourself a father, then you need to, you need to have the right structure in your home because the church should model the structure which is the family or the house, and it ought to be, let me back it up, the church is both the house or the structure and the family, the occupants. The church is both the structure and the occupants. The church is the structure and the people in it are the occupants. <laughs> as Israel grew, as I said, more priests were needed. As the church grows, more priests are needed. So, just like God said about Israel, he says the same thing about the church. We are a royal priesthood. Someone say to yourself, I am a royal priest. First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation. God chose you. You know why you're saved? Because God chose you. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, a holy group of people that have a structure that God has outlined for us in the Bible that we are to live by. We don't get saved and live the way we want. Then you're not a part of the holy nation and you can't be a royal priest. How can you help people live a way you ain't living? How can we help people live a way that we haven't been taught how to live? That's why we can't just come to church and jump and shout because when you leave, you don't know how to live. 
You don't know how to be a priesthood out there. And this is what's needed now more than ever. The saints, again, are chosen. Somebody say, I'm chosen. Selected. Somebody say, I'm selected. And then say it out loud, I'm elected. We are chosen, selected, and elected. Let's finish this up. This is too good. Both the words selected and elected come from the same root word, legible. Both words selected and elected are from the same root word, legible. Anything legible can be easily picked out. You ever seen your husband's handwriting? Or your wife? You ever seen mine? If you've never seen mine, you may not know that's me. Doctors, many of them don't write legend. Whenever you write your name a lot, you tend to just... <laughs> that, that means it's not legible. That means the letters can easily be picked out, read, and known. Anything that's not legible can't be understood. See, you and I were selected and elected. So people ought to understand. I feel like walking down there prophesying. No, I'm just kidding. Are people confused when they see you? Do they wonder if you're a believer? Do they wonder if you're a priest? Do they wonder if you're anointed? It should be easily ascertainable when somebody looks at us we're different. I'm a holy priesthood. It ought to be legible. Look at somebody and say, your life ought to be legible. <laughs> Our lives ought to be legible. It ought to be obvious to everyone. You're anointed. I'm going to you. I got some problems. You ought to be the one on the job, at least one of them, that everybody go to with their problems. Instead of being the one that that's the problem. You ought to be one that folks say, we need to get a prayer through. Get brother so-and-so. Call so Get them. It ought to be obvious. We are to be, as 2 Corinthians 3, 2 says, we are to be living epistles. Somebody say, I'm to be a living epistle. Read and known about men. Read. People ought to easily read you and know there's God in you. You and I, we are to be living epistles, easily read and known about people. People ought to know straight up now when your name is mentioned, that brother, say, that, that man loved God. That girl, that woman loved God. No, that woman, uh-uh. I would love to work with them. They have God for real in their lives. That's what it means to be a royal priest, to be under Jesus, to be in his priesthood. Revelations 1, 6, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Greater works are possible because of our continued growth and expansion of the kingdom. The greater works are done by the royal priests. The greater works Jesus talked about can only be done by people that do his works. If we don't do what Jesus did, how can they be greater? John 14, 12. Verily, verily, Jesus is speaking. I said to you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, the works that I do, praying for the sick, the works that I do, the works that I do, the works, the work, the things that I do, they're not going to come up with their own stuff. Mm, mm, mm. You know, I'll say it one more time, I'm going to move on. We live in a time where people really think they can make up what they want God to do and then tell people God wanted to do it. They don't even read the Bible. 
There literally, literally are people, I'm sure you probably know some too, that think they can interpret the Bible any way they want. Well, if God says good works are this, and you say good works are these, somebody's wrong. And if you're doing something that God says isn't good, then you're not a priest under him. Because when you go back again, and I don't have time, didn't take the time, to study all the courses and all the duties of all the priests and the very types of priests, all of them did the same thing. Everybody knew exactly what they were to do when their time was on. They, I think each priest, each course sometimes had like a week or two weeks where they did the priestly duties. And they didn't come in and do what they wanted to do. They did the same thing the other guy did. It's only today, in today's church, where folk think they can do what they want to do. You're going to usher the way you want. I didn't mean to get into that. You're going to sing the way you want. You're going to do what you want. And can't nobody tell you. Priests don't do that. Re rebels do that. You're, I say this with so much love. You're a rebel. You're in rebellion. You can't come into God's family and live any kind of way you want. Hmm. My prayer, as I close, is the same prayer today as the Apostle Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. You, you can read it when you get home. I'm just going to just talk about a few verses for time's sake. Paul says he prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray tonight that prayer for us, that those that claim to be a part of God's church, those that claim to be born of his spirit, washed in the blood of Jesus, those that claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost and do have a burning fire. I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would get a broader picture of Jesus, that we would allow the word and the Holy Ghost to expand our thinking and, and rid us of mental illnesses and, and vices and narrow thinking and selfish ambition, and that we would be enlightened, that we would have more light shined on the scriptures when we read them, that we would get more understanding, hey, my God in heaven, of the scriptures when we read them, that we would be inspired and led by the Spirit and taught by the Spirit of God as we read the Word of God that our understanding would grow and blossom that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that we would no longer search the internet listening to people that don't know God don't know what they're talking about don't understand the scriptures don't know how to put old and new testament old and new things together God in the name of Jesus I pray like Paul that the eyes of the church's understanding tonight would be enlightened that we might know that we might be intimately aware of and know the hope the hope the hope of his calling the expectation that he has that he saved us and called us that we would not be stuck in a fence and stuck on the fence but that we would know why he saved us why he's anointed us why he's filled us with his spirit why we read the scriptures for understanding that we would know the hope of his calling that we might be like the rest of the body fitly joined together that we might gain a deeper insight and develop more confidence that we might gain a deeper a healthier worldview not some narrow religious view not some narrow ethnic religion ethno socio-economic view of ministry and the kingdom but that we would have a insight and develop more confidence in what he has called us to do that we would not let the world shake us that we would not let the world secularize our minds and that we would realize we are royal priesthood we are a kingdom of kings under the king of kings and we come behind no gift in no place we come behind no people anywhere on the planet that God is our God 
God. He's on our side every day. He stands up for us every day. Stand on your feet, please. He stands up for us as we are standing on our feet now every day, all day. Jesus never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's always on the job. He's always rebuking demons. He's always interceding. He's always seeking the best. He's always speaking the best. May we understand who this great high priest is and may we walk in his power. that we might know the riches of this glory that we possess. The riches of his glory. The extremely high value of the glory we inherit. Mm, mm, mm. That we would not focus on, on riches on this, just this earth, but that we would focus on the riches in glory, the extreme wealth that we inherit as his children. Help us. And what the exceeding greatness of his power is towards us. The exceeding greatness of his power. You, I, that we might understand the greatness, the exceeding greatness this high priest has afforded us. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. My brothers and sisters, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the blessing. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the blessing. The greater the priest, the greater the worship. The greater the worship, the greater the glory. There's a level of glory none of us have seen yet. And it's difficult to see it until you see how great your high priest is. Lift your hands in this place. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Do you realize how great your high priest is? He's great. There's nobody greater. That's why. Come on, why your hands down? Lift your hands up, please, please. Stick, stay with me in this anointing. Don't get distracted. The anointing, the grace, the mercy, the glory that comes through the family that's ours to inherit is greater than we know until we embrace him as our great high priest. So take a moment before we close to begin to acknowledge our savior, not just as the lamb of God, but as our great high priest touched with the feelings of our infirmities who stands up for us who's a mediator who's a mediator between God and man who won't let anything more happen to you and I than we are able to bear he is our great high priest we thank you Jesus for being more than enough More than enough. More than enough. Our God is more than enough. He's more than enough. If you're not saved, ask Jesus to be your Savior. Ask him to be your Lord. Ask him to come into your heart and into your life. Tell him you believe he's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Tell him you need a Savior. 
Tell him you need him to be your great high priest. Tell him he is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice. Tell him he's also the great high priest that oversees the sacrifice. Tell him he's everything. He's all in all and that you can do nothing without him and that you desperately need him to step into your life. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain the mercy and find the grace to help in the time of need. You need him. Even if you're saved, tell him I need you. I need you. I need you, Jesus, to stand up for me. I, I got some stuff I'm wrestling with. I prayed about it. I don't know what else to do, but I cast my cares upon you. I need you to move this for me. I need you to move in my life. I need you to move this mountain out of my way. I need you today, and I thank you that tonight I understand in a greater way what it means for you to be my great high priest. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for ministering to every need I have. I thank you. Hey, God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being only what you can be. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.